Okay, but this morning, the word is don't leave the river. Don't leave the river. It's for a story in 2 Kings 5. It's a great story. A story of healing, a story of deliverance, a story of God's mercy upon a man. The man has a great Doric name. His name's Naaman. It's like, it's Naaman. It's Naaman. Naaman. He would have fit in around about this part of the world. Chapter 5, we'll just read bits and bombs of the story. It says, The king of Aram had great admiration for Naaman, the commander of his army, because through him the Lord had given Aram great victories. This Naaman was a mighty, mighty warrior. The Lord had given him victories, yet he didn't acknowledge the Lord in his life, but the Lord had used him to bring discipline to Israel. Highly favored, the king's right-hand man. When he spoke, people listened. He was a mighty warrior. He'd been through some battles. This guy deserved respect. He started smart. He went to some training. He learned how to use a bow and arrow. He learned about warfare. He fought his fights, but he stood strong. This guy was brave. He walked into a room and all his soldiers looked at him because this guy gave orders and people listened. A mighty warrior. This guy was treated like a god amongst his people, full of pride, maybe not a boastful why, but you can get the picture. He walked around like the peacock with the feathers out, celebrating the victories, celebrating the battles. He had the scar tissues to prove that he's been starved and survived. He's got the stories that he can sit down with his grandchildren and tell them about the things he'd went through in life. How he, respect is not given easily. He would tell his grandchildren about respect is errand. You've got to do the hard work. You've got to be diligent. You've got to train. He would tell them about the first time he went to battle. you got the only, only, only fools and horses really good fun, clean fun as well, the best kind of fun. Grandpa, during the war, during the war, Rodney, during the war, this would be him, the stories of wars and victory, battle, victory, war, victory, battle, victory. This guy was a born and bred survivor. He had muscles like you've never seen before. He was bigger than Andra with his shirt on. When he walked into a room, he lit up a room. Success. This guy was a success. But though Naaman was a mighty warrior, he suffered from leprosy. So this guy, if it was a stage or a pantomime, the production was excellent. Behind the scenes, things started to show that he in the like in his life, and he couldn't get victory hour. You imagine that this guy gave orders, people listened. Peep. He was a successful warrior, had other stories. He was strong in battle, he was brave. But yet he wakened up one morning and 
leprosy, it went for your nerves, and then just eroded, and your body would enter self-destruct. If people caught leprosy in the army, Naaman would have been the guy to send them home. To say, you can't serve an army in there, you've got leprosy. wonder how he felt in the morning when he wakened up and he, his fit wasn't operating as he wanted it to. This guy, success was his name, bravery was his name, respected, honored. He was a skipper of the boat. They gave orders and people listened, and suddenly something happens that he couldn't control, and he would have known there's no cure. This is the start of the end. He used to command armies, now he was under the influence of leprosy behind the scenes. He would have known. He was about to go into a very, very difficult period. Sometimes people think we've got it all together, but behind the scenes, things can affect our lives. That we didn't want to happen, it can be a picture of sin. Then tar so easily entangles us, and behind the scenes, this guy suffered. In front of people, he was a mighty warrior, Naaman. But behind the scenes, and to tell his wife, got bad news. This will surely go through my body. The end is nigh. The dream's about to fade. The nightmare has started. I will lose my job. I will be isolated. I'm going to wither and die. That's difficult to deal with, especially for a skipper, especially for a brave guy, especially for a man that demands respect. He was a mighty warrior. He suffered. Even the mightiest people you think are mighty still suffer. They've still got their personal pain. They've still got their private anguish moments. They still go through stuff like every other single person on planet Earth. It doesn't matter about your title. It doesn't matter about how well respected. It doesn't matter about how much friends you've got on Facebook or how popular your Instagram is. Everybody in life will have their leprosy. A moment of suffering, a moment of pain, a moment of anguish. Verse 2. At this time, Aramean raiders had invaded the land of Israel. Among their captives was a young girl. So not all heroes wear capes. Some of the heroes in the Bible, their names are not even mentioned. The people that Saul was coming under, David was coming under, uh, Apostle Saul was coming under attack that lowered them down in a basket, never named, never mentioned, but without them, he would have been captured. The little boy that gave his loaf of bread to Jesus didn't even hear a name, but without him, there's no story of the 5,000. This little young girl who had been given to Naaman's wife as a maid, she was a spoil of war. She maybe watched her house burnt down dragged for everything she had known. She was vulnerable, isolated in a foreign land, in a foreign place, in a different community. One day the girl said to her mistress, I wish my master could go to see the prophet in Samaria. He would heal him of his leprosy. This unnamed girl that was teen for her family in isolation was made into a mistress. Still loved 
the master and give him the good news. She could have heard about the leprosy and she could have went for the judgment side of the gospel and says, well, serves you right. You have destroyed my family. You have captured me. You have put me in a foreign place. I have been forced to give up my freedoms. I'm now a mistress of my young girl. I had so many dreams, so many aspirations, and you, Master, stole them. And now you've got leprosy. Serves you right. God is good. Amen. It's like during COVID, some people veer towards this is God's judgment on the entire world. He's being, he's turned nasty again. But this young girl seen an opportunity, seized it, and declared this, every single person deserves the good news. And she had the love in her heart for our master, a servant girl. Avira Wad, just a minty face. There was a beautiful picture this morning. I'm not sure if it's happened on any other morning. But John and little Caris, John and his grandchild, Caris means grace. But to see a little girl serve the worship team communion, I can't rest you as was closing your eyes in worship. I don't really, I'm not going to super spiritualize it. It was just really rare to see this little girl serving in the church, serving communion. We are granddad that's going saved and they're together. And if you notice, she put doing a biscoffe and she was smiling. And we really need to pray for our kids. This young girl that was captive, not a theologian, and they went through the school of training and says to our master that took her from her hometown, there's a problem. You've got leprosy. There's a solution. There's a prophet in Israel. I think you should go and see him. She maybe risked her life by that very statement. But this young girl, she did the work of an evangelist. And sometimes I feel I'm a useless evangelist. I can stand here every week and say there's a problem, sin. There's a solution, Jesus. However, have I got enough love in my heart to tell people that didn't come to church? I've got a week to invite Alpha. Alpha is near the be all and end all. Alpha doesn't save only. Jesus saves people. He uses things like Alpha. But I'm thinking this week, I really loved a few people in my life. And I know the problem, the eternity hangs in the balance. We, the gospel message is just come to church and live happily ever after. It's come to Jesus and be saved forevermore. This girl shines to me as an example. If she can love her master and get our every agenda... And love him enough to say, hey, there's a solution. His name is Jesus. You really need him. 
then us, we, the love of Jesus in our hearts, surely we can see a humanity in need, we see the problem, but we got the solution. We, we got the solution, His name is Jesus. When they're looking for a prophet in Israel, the Father has given us Jesus to set us free for the power and the penalty of sin and shame. She came from this angle. Everybody deserves to hear about the message of good news and grace. How about us, church? How about us? Would we take a lesson and say there is people that are not saved and without Jesus they're gone and they're just a lost eternity but eternal darkness for those weeping and gnashing of teeth? Do they deserve in your heart to hear a bunch of people to warn them before that day and say there is a Jesus that came? There is a God that saves. He was crucified for our sin and shame to set us free if we believe in Him. The people deserve the message. I'm so glad somebody decided that I deserved to hear about Jesus. I deserved at least an opportunity to respond. I deserved opportunity that I could have laughed in their face and said no and mocked them, or I could have said yes. And you feel vulnerable, and you feel nervous, and you veer towards faith if they say no. If they say no, we have lost nothing, because they weren't gone anyway. She delivered the message. It was a steadfast message. I'll continue. So Naaman, verse 4, told the king that the young girl from Israel had said, go and visit the prophet the king of Aram told him, I will send a letter of introduction for you to take to the king of Israel. Naaman started out carrying as gift 750 pounds of silver, 150 pounds of gold, 10 sets of clothing. He went prepared. Usually the thing was, you have to sacrifice to some gods to get fit you want them to do. So he goes with money, he goes with clothes, thinking forever the demands are, I will match it and more. The letter for the king of Israel said, with this letter I present my servant Naaman, I want you to heal him of his leprosy. Verse 7, when the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his clothes in dismay and said, this man sends me a leper to heal? Am I God? that I can give life and take it away. I can see that he's just trying to pick a fight with me. Verse 8, but when Elisha, the man of God, God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his clothes in dismay, he sent the message to him, why are you so upset? Send them unto me, and he will learn that there is a true prophet. This guy's a real deal. This guy knows his Lord. He knows the problem. He knows the solution or who the solution is. So Naaman went with his horses and chariots and waited at the door of Elisha's house. But Elisha sent a messenger out to meet him with this message. This was a deal. Go and wash yourself seven times in the Jordan River till your skin will be restored. You'll be healed of all your leprosy. But if it sounded like good news, Naaman got offended. But Naaman became angry and stalked 
away. I don't even care if that looks like. Again, for angry means stalked away. I just pull it in a, in a humor. Huh? Marching away. This is a guy that used to give orders. He was a skipper. He was a warrior. He was supreme in battle. He did victory after victory. Now he has to obey somebody else's instructions. God is dealing with pride. He stalked away. I thought he would certainly come out to meet me. He said, I expected him to wave his hand over the leprosy, call on the name of the Lord his God and heal me. Aren't the rivers of Damascus, the Abana and the Farpar, better than any of the rivers of Israel? Why shouldn't I wash in them and be healed? Naaman turned and went away in a rage. Remember, not all heroes were kept. But his officers risked their lives, tried to reason with him and said, Sir, if the prophet had told you to do something very difficult, wouldn't you have done it? You should certainly obey him. And when he simply says, go and wash and be cured, so Naaman went down to the Jordan River and dipped himself seven times as a man had instructed him, and his skin became as healthy as the skin of a young child, and he was healed. He, t- he turned up with others' expectations on how God should move. And there was a simple, very simple instruction to the man, the brave warrior, go and wash seven times in the Jordan, you will be healed. He got angry because he thought as he was going to turn up to church one day. Elisha was going to meet him wave his face, wave a hand in front of his face, say a few words, and I's problems was gone to disappear in that moment. But when the prophet said something different, he thought, hold on a minute. That's not what I expected. I'm gone on my way home until some brave officer says, hey, if he had asked you to do something really difficult, you, you, you should have still wanted to do it. But really, Naaman, that man in the Jordan seven times and you might be healed and you're gone in the opposite direction in a rage. I think you should go wash and be healed. Praise God for the little girl with the message. Praise God for the officer with Naaman that says, come on, think about this. There's not much you have to do for fear you can gain. You have nothing to lose. You can go him, you'll have leprosy. Is it not worth just going to the Jordan that been seven times for you to be healed or this life-changing, eroding disease that will take your life? And Naaman thought, okay, this guy's, this guy's got a point. God has wrapped up the hell gospel in Jesus. There is no other way but Jesus for salvation. God will not change the gospel because you didn't like it. And Naaman had a choice. Will he obey or will he just go home with leprosy? Because God will raise up people or obedience. I'll say that again. God will raise up people that will move in miracles and will see life changed, but they will go through the furnace 
to see this. Will you obey him? Will you come to him? Will you obey him with the big things? Abdi wants some miracles. Every Christian wants some miracles. The miracle was to remain hidden until Naaman would obey the word. And once he had obeyed, and only once he obeyed the word with the miracle, then happen. God is now about to change the gospel. Jesus says, if you love me, you will obey, for I command. Church, I believe we're on the brink of something fantastic. People's lives are getting saved and transformed, like I haven't seen in recent history. The stories of people's lives being changed. But I want us to err in obedience. I can't even begin to come here to hear it because you just want me to wave my magic hand upon your life and I think it'll be well. We must go through the door, a narrow way, and on that door is obedience. And we've came through a prayer, a season of prayer and fasting, and things have ramped up spiritually. And we didn't want to lose this moment and let it go. We can let go easily if we refuse to obey God's word and go our merry way and do our end thing. If you're looking for salvation, you go to Jesus for salvation. The Naaman said, is there any other wise that I can do this? There's other rivers, there's other lakes, surely better than that. And God says, I'm not changing for nobody. And you says, maybe you're first morning here and you're thinking, is there not another spiritual thing I can try to get to heaven? I haven't found it yet. And God's not changing the gospel. He's wrapped up, ah, oh, and his son. I was sharing the beauty of the gospel this week with somebody. You've maybe heard this illustration before. It's about this very wealthy guy. He had artifacts of gold, silver, beautiful paintings, bonnier than that, banners, worth an absolute fortune. He has servants, he has gardeners, people look after him. His wife had died, and he, he, was, a, he was a widow. He had a child that had died, and he passed away, leaving this great mansion, loads of great, valuable artifacts. He declared it would be an auction, and loads of rich people gathered for the auction. And there they are for the paintings, the beautiful statues. The auctioneer stands up and says, okay, this is why this will go. I've got an owl painting, an owl portrait. The master's son died in battle. First, before we get to the really important things that Ewings are here for, I've got to auction off this tatty, dated picture of the sun. So he starts bidding it five pounds. Nobody, nobody wants it. They're not here for that. They're here for the other stuff, the glitz, the glam, the gold. Going once, going twice. One of the servants entered the room amongst the wealthy people and says, I'll take it. I've got a fiver. I'll take it. And the auctioneer says, okay, I see that hand going once, going twice. Sold for a fiver. The picture of the master's son that died in war. And he said, this here closes the auction. And Abdi was like, whoa, 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 hold on. Fab with the pintons, fab with the statues, fab with the gold, fab with the glitz, fab with the glamour. And then the auctioneer said, this was my instructions. 
whoever got the sun got everything. The auction's closed. The servant that just wanted the sun gets every painting, every statue, every bit of glitz. They get heaven. Why? Because they appreciated the value of the sun. Jesus says about the gospel, the Father says, everything that you want is in the Son. Everybody wants to go to heaven, but will you come to Jesus? Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Everybody wants godly wisdom and spiritual experience. Will you come to this? If you come to the Son, you'll receive the wisdom that is found in Christ Jesus. Everybody wants their miracle and their moments of mercy. Will you come to the Son? The preciousness of the goodness of the gospel is if we believe in the Son, hallelujah, we're like the servant that stumble upon an auction, receiving everything or heaven through the Son. Is that near the gospel of good news? Is that near the gospel of good news? I didn't have to earn more money or become better to receive grace or to work my way to heaven. I believe in Jesus. You get the whole mansion and everything in it. This guy Naaman had to come in line, and God will test your obedience. He says to Abraham, there'll be a nation through you. And Abraham and Sarah, Sarah laughed and says, I'm too old. And God says, no, the promise will be through Isaac. He gets the gift of the kid. And then for does God say, I want you to sacrifice it on a mount. There's a gospel message in there. Abraham says to Isaac, we're gone, get ready, pack a picnic, we're going for a little jaunt, take some firewood, and Isaac's like, hold on a minute, where's the lamb? And God is testing, before I can mark a nation with your son, I need to test obedience here. Before it's a miracle, oh, descendants being like sand on the seashore, I'm going to have to test you, is you got to climb this mountain with your son, and then he climbed, and God says, finally, here's a dagger, okay. Even through the dark, had obedience. You're ready for the miracle season now. And he, God provided a, a lamb that was, that was caught in some stuff. And they sacrificed a lamb. And I guess Isaac got his resurrection story. Obedience. God desires obedience more than anything you can sacrifice. It's obedience. He's looking for, and it could be with smart things. A little story, then I'm going to bring us to a close in 10 minutes, okay? So, I was going through a period of prayer and fasting. Every Saturday for, for years, I have put on Facebook if it's what happened at church the next day. Again, you, you've maybe seen it, you maybe have not. It's I get offended if you're, you ignore the church Facebook page. I was just about to date and say, look, this is for us speaking in the morning, this is for on, blah, blah, blah. And then I felt as though the Lord said, Dad, do it. And very peculiar. Surely God's got better things to do with his time and for I'm doing through the church Facebook page. And I felt as though the Lord said, just Dad, do it. Dad, do it. And I told Isabel, I did it for a few weeks. I thought, okay, I'm not doing it. And then I thought, always my thinking was this. I maybe I held it in evangelism a workshop. If the people that can, they'll never come. If they can't exist, they're not going to come. I felt so the Lord say, and sometimes as you've got is your yes, Lord, I'm listening. I can't work it out. It makes no sense. How does this profit the gospel of Jesus Christ? 
Who knows? You can check it up. You can fact check what I'm saying. The last few weeks have been zero. But also the last few weeks in church has been the busiest few weeks with people coming that we have had in a long time. In fact, last week with people getting saved was a mess. I'm not just saying, look, I'm not glorying in my obedience. I'm just saying it's not through my obedience that people have got saved. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying God just teaches you a few things that you thought it was our boot, but he teaches and tests. Are you still listening even if it sounds weird and insignificant. Naaman thought, this is weird and insignificant. I'm going home. But maybe, maybe God has got to teach you in your personal, private life that it is to listen and to be obedient. And my advice is stay in the river, okay? Stay connected with Jesus. So he went back. It had to be seven times, six times, Five times, four times. I have no anything significant to say about seven people say, well, seven days a week, God's perfect number, that's why. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying the instruction was very simple. Seven times. And they won, they three, they five. Eight was too much. Twelve was needed. It had to be seven. So Naaman went and dapped one time. Nothing happened. Twice never happened, thrice nothing happened. It's a lesson on persevering through the dark times to get the breakthrough. The gospel of Jesus is a gospel of perseverance. Jesus never says, you will turn up to church once, I will wave my magic hand upon your face, and everything will change, and you will never have another problem in your life. Jesus says, keep on asking. Keep on asking, and you will receive. Nay, ask once, and if it doesn't happen, pack your bags in the Jesus Club and never go back. Keep on. Why does Jesus say keep on asking? Because there are moments in your life that you've just to keep going in the mystery. Keep on knocking, and then the door will be open. Jesus never ever championed, knock once, I'll wave my hand, and I'll sort everything. Some things in life and the kingdom, you're just going to keep on knocking fears. I've just to be obedient. I'm seeing no change. None of my family's getting saved. None of the relationships are working out. I'm laying hands on the sick and nobody's getting healed. I laid hands on my dog and they got even sicker. Keep on knocking. Nothing is changing, but God is looking to see if you will persevere long enough for the breakthrough. Keep on asking. Keep on knocking. Keep on seeking. And you shall find. Naaman could have walked out after three and said, this is a sham I used to give orders. Now I'm in the Jordan doing the seventh. Up and down, up and down. He could have walked two or three. How many people walk out 
before Jesus has just about to do something amazing. I've been to the prayer meeting a few times, but I don't feel anything, and then I'm not going back. I've did an alpha course, yeah, I just think I'm back. I try to tell somebody about Jesus, I think I'm back. But every step of the way, God is looking at a heart. Are you going to go keeping on? Stay in the river. It might not be working out now. You're maybe going to walk out just before it does. Some of us in here that have been through rehab, this has maybe been your second time, third time, fourth time, fifth time. You're stuck in this cycle. That's a point I can't back. But God is looking for your heart or obedience. It will proceed your breakthrough. Keep in the river. Keep on going. Even if you say, see, no one ounce of your prayers being answered. You might not see one ounce of you, your skin changing. You might not see one ounce. You hear people from the front, I see a vision, this is fair. And you say, I have never seen anything like that. You have to keep going. You have to keep praying. God's looking for faithfulness. He wants to trust people with miracles and breakthrough, and He will trust the obedient. Them that hang around long enough, them that keep going, them that turn up, them that will say, I'm broken, I'm lost, I've given up on myself, I'm not giving up on my Savior. I have no answers why there's no change, but I'm not giving up on my Savior, Jesus. I'm in the right place. I'm in the river, even though nothing is changing. I'm in the river of gladness. I'm in His good and perfect well, even though our hell is breaking loose. I'll maybe let go of my own inhibitions, but I'm not letting go of Jesus. In times I have looked at a scripture, if it happened next, I have noticed, I haven't even seen it as wildly relevant, but I'll leave you with this. At the end of the verse, when he got healed, and his skin became as healthy as the skin of a young child, and he was healed. I have scattered through that many times I've read that story. I just thought, well, he got his miracle. That's, that's the point of the story. Perseverance and obedience led to the breakthrough. And when I was preparing yesterday, it was funny, we spoke about... Uh, in our, I was going to say men's group, our prayer course that a bunch of men, we've spoke about our prayer and experience, and I've spoke very honestly, it's like I'll, sometimes I fast sleep while praying. <laughs> Yesterday I was preparing for the, the day after the sleepover, I really had to fight that moment, I just sleeping while Jesus is with me. And I was stuck on this, it really meant that he's it went back to being like a child. I felt as though the Lord was saying this. He removed the scar tissue. This guy had been in battle, and the evidence was he's in his skin. Like, has somebody ever had a, an accident, and you've still got the scar tissue on your skin? 
I've got a few. Again, I've got a scar here that maybe near a lot you see. Um, me and my chum, Bobby Williams, his dad was a pinter and he had this, this van, this white van. And we decided to climb on top of it just for kids to even they've watched Hulk Hogan and the Ultimate Warrior wrestle. And then I fell off, split my head. Still got the scar tissue. And uh, I'll need to take my T-shirt off. You'll be glad to know I've got a warrior scar there. Now, I could really mark up an amazing story how I've seen an old lady getting robbed and then I jumped in and the criminal starred man, I saved her life and it was glory to me. It's near that heroic, I got my appendix suit. <laughs> it's like, ah, looks like you're up in a, a C-section. And, uh, <laughs> ah, if it's other ah, my hand. I, I've got no feeling in my middle finger because when I was on a milk back when boys were boys, right? I was on a milk room getting up at three in the morning. That's when warriors. Nobody else had a milk room when they were young. I was got to be a milk and a few. Okay. Lara's when you were younger. That's very interesting. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you just think of a hand crate for you loaded it up and you was to get dropped off with a milk driver and do a few streets and meet him up. So it was like a crate of milk cut in two and I think I had space for about eight, eight, eight glass balls. So I jumped off the back of the lorry, which was a lot of fun once you learned how to do that. Pulling up the bypass was a lot of fun. I bought my milk lorry. I don't know why they banned it, because it was really a lot of fun for young, young loons. I jumped off and I trapped on the curb and my hand smash. But one place you don't want to put your hand is on top of eight broken bottles. And they had to pick a glass out. I've got the evidence. I still, the milk driver, God bless him. He says, right, to that loon, put the milk bottles and back in the crate. He'll walk around with you and he'll tell you far to put the white tops, the blue tops, and the red tops. Like I was standing there with blood dripping from my hand. Glass coming out, and the milk driver was like, finish the hand crate before it took you to hospital. I take it why they banned it. It's, it's like, it's a lot of fun. So I did, and they had to pick out the glass. I did a scar tissue. This guy would have hidden scar tissue. Like, he did murder in a milk room. He was in battle. And yet, God, through a miracle, restored them. And it says that it was like a child. All scar tissue was, was removed. All scar tissue was, was gone. Are the memories, or are the battles, are the wars, are the fights, are the offense, was gone. You can be saved, but still carry your scar tissue that people see. Oh. You can be saved, but the things in the battles you've been before can still, you can carry the people get offended for something years ago, but still carry the bitterness, the scar tissue that affects our life the day. Some of the relationships, maybe didn't they work out for you, you carry the scar tissue, you'll never trust another man ever again, they're all just scumbags. They'll all just walk out in you in the end and there's a scar tissue. Are you saved? Yes. But sometimes there's just scar tissue 
that affects your life, and I believe that Jesus wants to set people free for the offense and the harm of previous battles that wounded you. You're wounded, and you carry in your heart the scar tissue a Christian let you do, and then you still come at it. I'll never let people close again in my life. You've now got a trust issue. It's scar tissue. But I want to tell you about another scar. The nail-pierced scars of Jesus. Doubting Thomas said, I only got to believe until I see the scars. And then Jesus turns up and he says, look at the scars. Put your hand for the scars are. Jesus' scar tissue is an evidence that he can save you and set you free. That He can save you in your war wounds that you carry, that closed heart and that lack of trust and that unforgiveness and that bitterness that you guard. That people look close enough and examine you close enough, they will feel the tension coming through your heart, your scar tissue. Jesus says, today is a day that I'm dealing with the scar tissue, that today is a new day. He came to set the captives free, and you could be made whole and well, your spirit renewed, because Jesus says the gospel's about being born again. You got to go back to innocence like a child. You got to go back with new skin on and new wine skins for new wine like a child or something about a child that's innocent and trusting and loving and kind. Being born again. Some of you have made so much mistakes, you think of yourself, you're just going to go on this cycle, maybe die in this cycle, because you have picked up some war wounds and scar tissue just in the bottle of life. But Jesus says, keep on going, and you'll receive newness, justified, just as if I'd justified, just as if I had never sinned. The justification of the cross, you're justified through Jesus. The wonder of the gospel. Yes, you would love to blow out all your offenses and go back in time, sort out the mess. But Jesus says, keep on going. I'll restore to you the years. The, the devourer that the locusts came in and stole for you. And today is a day that all the war wounds, all the scar tissue would go in Jesus' name. All the heartaches, all the daddy issues, all the mummy issues, all the relationship issues, all the mistrust with religion issues, Ah, the mistrust with God issues, because why is he and he pulled through with me when I see him pull through in other people's lives? Ah, the war wounds, ah, the offense. God can wash away by his blood because he carries the scar wounds, the scar tissue that paid the price to set you free. Not just to save you, to see you in one day a place God heaven, but to save you and set you free, to heal you, and to cleanse you, to forgive you, and to give you new birth. If anybody is in need of forgiveness, ask, 
and He will cleanse you from some unrighteousness, from all unrighteousness. I want to pray specifically for people this morning. The keep on going message is a great message, but this is really far I felt God was wanting to land this morning. For them that are feeling that they've got some wounds for previous battles, that today will be a day of newness with the old gospel and the old rugged cross in the presence of Jesus. Let's bow our heads. Let's close our eyes. This is a sensitive moment.